This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and training camp 2020 is here, at least the version of training camp that we're going to get this year in this absolutely uh, crazy and fascinating year that it is. I mean, the restrictions are there. The Giants might have reported to training camp, but that doesn't mean it's practice and training camp and business as usual. Not even close. I mean, the players are arriving basically in two different groups, okay? So the rookies and select veterans or injured veterans from last year and some of the court and the quarterbacks they arrived last week, uh, last Thursday. I'm taping this on uh, the following Friday, so then they had to go through uh, get three negative COVID tests just to be able to come into the building. So they finally get into the building this week. They just started doing stuff yesterday, Thursday. But when I say they just started doing stuff, don't think they're going out there on the field and they're practicing real football. No, no, no. There's a big acclimation period that's going to be we're going to be in the process these next few weeks. So there's not going to be any football judgments. These guys are going to be getting in strength and conditioning, running, uh, maybe basic route running, stuff like that. This isn't line it up, 11 on 11, helmets, pads. No, no. This is strength and conditioning for several weeks. Okay? Then they'll slowly integrate... And about, I think, three weeks or so, then you'll start to see football-like practices. And really, there's only going to be 14 days of shelled or padded practices. So those 14 days later in August, and it's a big if, if we get to that point. Because we're already seeing positive tests from players coming in around the league. Can they contain it and stop it from spreading if it do, if and when, because it's going to happen, there are going to be people that are uh, positive test results for COVID. But can they then stop it from spreading in a football environment? And we all should be keeping very close eyes right now on these other sports. And we see baseball struggling if we find out that the COVID is spreading and being transmitted through the run of games in baseball or even basketball and then hockey, whatever, soccer, MLS is playing, then we're in big trouble, right? Because think about that. If it's spreading in those sports while they're playing, if it's able to go spread from you know individual to individual, it's going to spread in football. They're not going to be able to stop. Guys hit each other on every single play in football. There's no social distancing NFL play. So... The sport could be in trouble if the the NFL could be in trouble if these other sports are found that to have being able to transmit COVID-19 from player to player throughout the course of action. So this is all a big if. It's like a big science experiment we're in the midst of right now. A huge 
science experiment, not just in sports, but throughout the world. And it's going to be, if they do play, it's going to be a wild year because there's going to be weeks where your team is without three or four guys and, or teams are without, without your quarterback for for several weeks or you know, half your uh, offensive line or defensive back group could come down with it on a Saturday before a game. Like These kind of things are not out of the question. So, all right, let's run through some of the matters of business that have been resolved the last few days over the last week, actually. Uh, Nate Solder, Giants starting left tackle the past two years. The big free agent signing from the 2018 offseason obviously has not panned out very well. He has decided to opt out. Now, I cannot blame Nate Solder for opting out. Not even the slightest. Actually, to me, you look at the situation from the outside, it seemed like a no-brainer. You're talking about a guy who has already made a lot of money in his career, okay? That's undeniable. He's already made a lot of money in his career. And even so, even if he hasn't, his son has been dealing and battling with cancer the last few years. So right there, I mean, are you really going to risk putting your and, – and let's not even – and then you throw in the factor that Nate Solder himself is a cancer survivor. In 2014, he had testicular cancer. So you throw all this in, are you really going to risk your, your own health? And even more so, your family's health? Your, your five-year-old son by going to play football, right, and putting your trust in 60 other young men to do the right thing every day outside of the facility, that's not a good risk to take. It's, so it's a no-brainer that Nate Solder, to me, was probably going to opt out, Okay. He already collected a $3 million uh, roster bonus. He get, If he's considered high risk, which I believe he will be, he'll collect another $350,000 stipend. But really, I don't even think it would have mattered. Money aside, this is a life decision for Nate Solder, and it seemed like a rather simple one. And ultimately, he made, in my opinion, the right one. So the Giants are now left with, they still have, this is the positive. A lot of people say, you know, just get rid of Nate Solder, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Anyway, Nate Solder on their roster at least gives them options. Okay? He's had success with Joe Judge in the past. He would have given them options. They did sign. In, in the offseason, they invested heavily in that tackle position. That's a positive. So they have um, Andrew Thomas, the number four overall pick. Cam Fleming, who they signed, who's a functional starter, has proven to be a capable starter in the past at times throughout his career. Uh, he was signed as a free agent. Matt Pert was the Matt Pert uh, was I always say that wrong. Was the third round pick out of UConn? Another tackle. So the Giants have tackle options. Nick Gates flashed that tackle at times last year. So they have some options at tackle, even though Nate Solder's not playing. Now, what it does do is it gives the Giants money to spend this year against the salary cap. They're going to save. million, I believe, is the number. Just a a touch above $16 million against the salary cap. But I wouldn't expect them to then go and make a huge splash or get a big-ticket free agent like Jadavian Clowney. That's not going to happen. Now, will they maybe add a veteran piece here or there? Yes. Then they take some of that leftover cap space this year, use it towards next year when everyone's going to be short on cap space because revenues are going down. The salary cap is based on revenues. So when 2020 revenues dip, 
so too will next year's salary cap. So extra money being put towards next year's salary cap, at least partially from this Nate Solder move, is probably the right way to go for the Giants. Because if you think about it, this team isn't one guy away from competing, right? They're not going to then go sign, let's say, Everson Griffin, a veteran defensive end pass rusher, outside linebacker, I guess, in the Giants' system. Uh, that, that's not like the missing piece for the Giants. They sign Everson Griffin, and this team can compete for a real playoff spot in a Super Bowl. That's not the case. They need to keep the long-term uh, considerations at the forefront. This isn't about just filling the roster for one year. They already got Marcus Golden back. That happened. That deadline passed last week. So he's now returning. He's returning on a fairly team-friendly deal. A player who had 10 sacks last year. Finished sixth in the NFL in quarterback hits. Get him back for $4.1 million on a one-year deal. Smart move by Gettleman, Joe Judge, and the Giants in the whole front office. And I had someone ask me, they said, do you think if... If the Giants, if Joe Judge wasn't there, if the Giants would have realized this uh, rare May 5th tender tag was there at their disposal. And I'm going to say yes. I'm going to give Kevin Abrams, who's the assistant general manager, and even Dave Gettleman, enough credit where I think they would have realized that this was an option and they would have went this route. Now, it probably didn't hurt to have Joe Judge there whispering in the air because the Patriots have used it in the past. So, But to have Marcus Golden back, that's a benefit. The Giants are not going to have DeAndre Baker. He is on the commissioner's exemplist right now. He's going to appeal, probably lose that appeal, and have to sit and wait. I mean, he faces eight very serious charges right now. You're talking about armed robbery and aggravated assault with a firearm. Now, they're waiting for the state's attorney's office to make a decision of whether they're going to prosecute. But until that happens, especially... DeAndre Baker's not going to be part of the Giants. And let's be fair. The Giants don't really want him around right now. They don't. They don't. They're trying to build something here. They don't need that around. The the, the potential distractions uh, that are involved with that, the constant headlines that'll be there every time something happens in his case, if there is one, if it ultimately goes and is prosecuted. So for now, DeAndre Baker's on the commissioner's exemplist. Uh... We'll talk a little bit more later about his future. Uh, We'll get to that in a few minutes. We're going to answer some Giants after dark questions, all right? First, I just want to touch on Aldrich Rosas and the kicking situation. So they cut Rosas. He's dealing with his legal problems. um, And now they they sign Chandler Catanzaro, right? Former Bucks kicker, former Cardinals kicker. Uh, former Jets kicker as well, I believe. Uh, no, definitely kicked for the Jets. I know he did. And then he retired, and so they brought him out of retirement. Uh, there's uh, some other kicking options out there. Let me just say this about the kicking spot, right? Joe Judge last year saw what it was like to not have that every week kicker, right? Probably for the first time because they've had Steven Goskowski, who, by the way, is a free agent, but health is a question there. He had him pretty much his whole time. He did have him his whole time in New England, I believe. And so this was a reliable top-end kicker, always there. Last year, he gets injured. They run through a couple guys. Nick Falk comes in. He had to miss a game. So they bounced around kickers a little bit. And trust me when I tell you this. Joe Judge doesn't want to have to do that again. He doesn't want to get stuck in a 
find a kicker every week circle. Ring around the kicker. He doesn't want to find himself in that spot. So for right now, they're on, they're, they're on Chandler Canton's arrow, but they're going to try and find somebody before the season starts that they can, try, the relust, uh, that they can trust and rely upon for real and not have to go that route of switching kickers all the time. So that's where the Giants are right now. That's where training camp is right now. Let's get to your questions. On to the next one. All right, we're back. And your favorite segment is back as well. It's time for me to answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We'll do a quick seven-pack of questions here. I opened up the forum uh, on Twitter yesterday. Someone sent me a question on Instagram as well. You could send me, always send me questions, uh, Twitter, Instagram, email, Facebook, and I'll do my best to try and answer them all. So, at I am Sam Kresh gets question number one. This is from Twitter. He says, what do you expect the competition for center to look like? Yeah, this is going to be the most interesting competition at camp because it's really just a mix. Throw guys in the mix and see what happens. Now, the top three candidates right now, Spencer Pulley has the most experience at center. He has played there and started in the past. A little up and down. He wasn't very good last year when he played. Uh, He struggled. But was it two years ago? He actually played fairly well in a starting role uh, where he started most of the season. So Spencer Pulley is option number one. Option number two is Nick Gates. Played primarily at tackle, some at guard. Played a little bit of practice in center over the past few years with the Giants, but has never really played center in a game. And so he performed pretty well at right tackle last year. You know, the Giants had confidence at right tackle, even at guard. Uh, now center is a whole completely different beast. You're asking a guy to call the signals and everything like that, so a lot that goes into it. But he's option number two. Good young player out of Nebraska, has made huge strides the last two years, missed his first year, was on IR the whole season, surprised people last year by earning the trust of the coaching staff. Now he's going to try and earn the tr- trust of a new coaching staff at center. Not easy. Then you have Shane Lemieux. Giants draft pick out of Oregon, never missed a game, grinder at guard. Now he's going to be in that center mix as well. You know, a road grading type guard, not a not the most mobile guy. Uh, I spoke to some scouts and offensive line specialists. They weren't enamored with the idea of Shane Lemieux at center, but the Giants are going to try it out and see where it goes from there. So he's serious option number three. So those are the three main options at center. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants added a veteran to the mix at some point. Justin Britt, former Seattle Seahawks starting center. I could see that happening as a fallout, especially from the Nate Solder money. Now maybe they go reinvest in the offensive line, at least give themselves a proven center. Don't rule that out. John Jalapio returning at some point. If they're looking to add another veteran to the mix later on, I think that's a possibility as well. So... Adding a veteran center, not out of the mix for the Giants, especially now that they have these extra funds. The Nate Solder salary cap space gives them options. And Nate Wozniak was on their roster, 
Uh, I think he was on the practice squad last year. 6'10 guy, huge, absolutely. I mean, the tallest football player I've ever seen. He retired on Thursday. It was on the transaction notice. So he retires Thursday. Nate Solder opts out on Wednesday. So the Giants then now lost two bodies on the offensive line. So I would expect to see them reinvest some of that money in the offensive line. Alexandra, AA13, says, Is it true that the the plan to replace Nate Solder, the plan is to replace Nate Solder with Andrew Thomas? If yes, have his performance during individual practices seem promising for a smooth transition between the two players? Well, yes, the plan is likely to have Andrew Thomas start at left tackle. Someone would have to go in there and blow them away at left tackle right now to supplant Andrew Thomas because – as far as I'm aware, and they, yes, they said there was going to be an open competition left tackle, the top two candidates to play left tackle were going to be Andrew Thomas and Nate Solder. They were going to play him on both sides and see what their best combination was, uh, whether that be the two of them starting, uh, one of them starting, none of them starting, you know, Cam Fleming starting, any of these other guys, uh, Eric Smith. Uh, they really were going to just open it up for everybody, but... It would be a huge upset right now if Andrew Thomas is not the starting left tackle. Okay? Huge, huge upset. I'd put the odds very likely that Andrew Thomas is going to be the left tackle now. Now, the Giants, unfortunately, haven't been able to see what he does in individual performance of practice. There is no practice. There hasn't been a practice. They haven't lined up as a team. The coaches just met him for the first time. (laughs) Some of the coaches. Last week. And then they're going to not be allowed to do football, real real football for the next few weeks. It's going to be strength and conditioning. So there's going to be a 14-day period, mid to late August, where we're going to find out, maybe even dips into September. i got to look at the calendar exactly. Where there's going to be an evaluation period, and the Giants are going to figure out who the best players are and do their evaluations mostly during those times. And it goes the same for Andrew Thomas. Question number three, Jorge Alicia 621, Giants-Mets NYK for life, says, starting offensive line week one now that Solder opted out, really hope Gates is a part of it in some equation brings physicality. Okay, so if I had to guess at the starting Giants offensive line right now, Andrew Thomas is the left tackle, Will Hernandez playing next to him as the left guard. Right, the guard, the, the guard situation, barring injury, seems pretty much set. Will Hernandez on the left side, Kevin Zeitler on the right side. Might be one of the strengths of the team. Okay, at the very minimum, two, two you think should be quality players. Although where Hernandez had a little up and down year last year, but Zeitler, very solid player. Hernandez potential, very promising rookie year. Took a step back a little bit last year. Still high expectations for him. So Andrew Thomas, rookie. Left tackle allows him not to switch spots, right? It's the position he played last year at Georgia. Probably the position he's most comfortable with. Now, he trained in, in, in Atlanta this offseason and trained for play the left and right. But So he's ready for either one. But left tackle should not be a concern or problem from him. Slide him in there. Look, will he struggle his rookie year? Absolutely. Pretty much every tackle struggles his rookie year. Okay? Uh, but you just hope he could be average year one. That would be a positive, and then grow from there. Now, at center, right now, I mean, we're really just guessing, right? And I'm, I admittedly um, put piecing 
some clues together and guessing. So I'm going to go with Nick Gates here, in part because that physicality that Jorge mentioned, I think is something they're looking to do here, and he brings that. Uh, Shane Lemieux has that as well, but probably doesn't move as well as Nick Gates laterally, and I think that's a big thing at center. And also hasn't been in an NFL offense before. Now, neither of them have much snapping uh, experience either. Now, Spencer Pulley has the advantage in that. He probably has the advantage on the mental part as well. But I don't think he brings the physicality they're looking for. So I'm going to guess at Nick Gates now. We'll see how that goes. Kevin Zeitler at right guard. And then at right tackle, Cameron Fleming. A position he's played before. He started at before in the NFL. I think you can know that you can get solid average right tackle play from him and be happy about it. And I think if Gates doesn't win the starting center job, yeah, then that opens him up to be the starter at right tackle. Then it's a coin flip over there. I think Matt Parrott, the likely likelihood for him, the rookie third-round pick, is that he needs some time. Like he's been known – some people look at him as more of a developmental prospect. It's coming from UConn. To see him starting, especially right away rookie year, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I, I think it's unlikely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Um, so, next question. That, that's my starting line right there. Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, Nick Gates in the middle at center, Kevin Zeitler, and Cameron Fleming. That's my basically pre-practice training camp guesstimate at the starting offensive line. Tyler Demers, 0-0, says, expectations from the defense this year, especially the newcomers McKinney, Martinez, Bradbury, clearly a more talented group of players, but with Graham as DC, what are the expectations from the defense as a whole? Now, the Giants' defense was pretty bad last year. 25th in total defense. They played just an inordinate number of of young first-year players last year. Uh, The mix with the veterans was not good. Uh, Janaris Jenkins, they had to basically exile him eventually, so they're subbing Bradbury in for him. Uh, They had minimal pass rush. They still don't have a great pass rush. Their their pass rush is not much different than last year where they had Kyler Fackrell, and they're praying that guys like O'Shane Zimenez and um, Lorenzo Carter finally make that jump. In the middle, their defensive lineman, they added uh, Leonard Williams, who is a decent pass rusher, helped a little bit because that group, the defensive line, wasn't great pass rushers in the first place. So he helps a little bit now that they have him for the full season. But the defense was 25th in total defense. 
they were pretty bad. They were starting young guys all over the place. You hope guys like Dexter Lawrence make a, take a step. Uh, Ryan Connolly comes back. Um, Jabril Peppers is another year older. Uh, you know, Sam Beal, you're hoping to get something from him with, with that cornerback. All these guys, and you add all these young guys. They were bad last year. They allowed 451 points, okay? That was the most in Giants history. Now, part of that was because the offense turned the ball over at a ridiculous clip as well. But 30... 30th in points per game, 28.2 points per game. It's hard to win the NFL if you're going to let up 28.2 points per game. So the expectations this year is that you just want this unit to improve. You want it to be an average unit. And the fact that last year, you know, James Betcher took it on the chin. He was going to have the learning experience by playing the DeAndre Bakers of the world, by playing uh, all of these young guys, the Dexter Lawrence, uh, the, the young defensive lineman um, throwing Lorenzo Carter in the mix. O'Shane Zimenez as some of his main pass rushers. Uh, all these guys. Uh, Jabril Peppers still as a young player. They Last year was the one where they, just, they were taking it on the chin in the hope that it'll benefit them in the future. So they already took their lumps last year with a lot of these guys. They naturally, a lot of these guys should progress. Julian Love, take that step forward, right? They had a... Julian Love wasn't ready to play, they didn't think, for the first half of last season. When they finally got him ready to play, he contributed. Year two, you should expect more from him. So I do think this defense can be better. An aver- expecting an average unit as a whole, you know, a 16th in the NFL, letting up 25 points per game, I think that's realistic expectation for this group. Blake Martinez gives them a veteran signal caller in the middle. Um, that's a big thing as well. Which, the next question is from Daniel Freaking Jones at Zanville 8. Says, which kicker would make more sense for a one-year deal considering that they have both have ties to the team, Gano or Guskowski? Well, Graham Gano basically has, he missed all of last year with a knee injury and missed time the year before with, part of the injury, with that same knee injury. So it's hard for me to imagine that Graham Gano is in health-wise great shape. Now, same with Guskowski. Now, I think if Goskowski is healthy, is uh, available, obviously he has that connection to Joe Judge. So I think that would be the better fit. And that would be the more likely move that the Giants would make if he's healthy. If, if, if he's healthy, which I'm not so sure is the case because they went and they signed Chandler Cantazaro. And that says to me that Steven Goskowski at this point either isn't ready to kick or he's not going to be ready to kick, or he's just not healthy enough. So uh, I don't think either of them are great options right now, and that's why the Giants went in the other direction. Uh, next question is from at Mall Season SZN11. He says, what are the odds DeAndre Baker plays another down in a Giants uniform before? Now, I said before, I mentioned it, he, these are serious charges. We're going to see if they prosecute them. The Giants, let's look at the evidence right now. The Giants have told him to stay away from their virtual spring off-season program. They'd rather not have him around at that time. They now work through the league, and he's on the commissioner's exempt list for training camp as he awaits word. The likelihood is, I mean, there's the possibility that the charges are filed. There's a possibility that DeAndre Baker gets suspended by the league, regardless of what happens. I mean, I think that's likely, no matter what when all said and done with the way the league has shown to operate over the years. So 
the likelihood to me is that DeAndre Baker never plays another snap for the Giants. So I would put his odds of playing another down at a low number. I mean, I'm talking 20% or lower. You know, make it give him a 15% chance, basically, to ever play another snap for the Giants. Now, if he's found guilty of any of these charges in the end, he's never going to play another down in the NFL with any team. It'll probably be in prison. So that's how serious this is. We'll see how it plays out. But just where everything stands right now and the information that's known and that's out there and knowing, speaking to people in the organization about him on multiple occasions, I'd be surprised if he plays another down again. So 15% chance. Final question, number seven. Stephen Morelli from Instagram says, what position group do you think will be the most improved unit? I think it's linebacker because they added through free agency draft and returning from injury. Thanks. Yeah, uh, three things came to mind for me. All right, linebacker was one because if Blake Martinez proves and he was, you know, one of their big ticket free agents. Think about it. Their big ticket free agents were James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. Okay, so cornerback obviously came to mind. But they really just subbed out Bradbury for uh, Janaris Jenkins, who they get rid of in the middle of last year. And they added Xavier McKinney as a safety. So there you go. Got got that there. So I thought maybe defensive backs, but then they're so weak at the other cornerback spot. I was, eh. You know, I can't say they're the most improved group because I don't even know if they have more than one cornerback still. Okay. Now, linebacker, I just feel much better about. Now, offensive line came to mind too because they – Signed Cam Fleming, who's been a proven tackle in this league. Proved he could play and start if need be for a, you know at least an extended period of time. Then they went and invested the number four overall pick a tackle, and then a third round pick a tackle. So obviously huge investment in the offensive line in the offensive tackle position. So maybe there, uh, but then they lose Nate Solder, and I know a lot of you like to complain about Nate Solder, and yes, I agree he has not played well. But he's a proven left tackle in this league who has played at a serviceable to fairly high level before. So to lose him kind of hurts at least the depth and limits your options now. Now it makes the Giants thin a tackle, right? Let's say Andrew Thomas or Cam Fleming get banged up and injured. Now the Giants all of a sudden are in trouble at tackle. They're either throwing in Matt Parrott, moving Nick Gates. you know, And so they're no longer deep at the position. They're fine as currently constituted, but they're not deep. So linebacker, to me, I agree, is the most improved group because you're basically adding two starting caliber players in Blake Martinez and Ryan Connolly. That's if Ryan Connolly, who hurt his knee last year, only got to play, I think, two games it was, uh, flashed in those two games. It wasn't great, but you saw enough potential to say, hey, the Giants might have hit on this late-round pick. I think it was a fifth-rounder. So they might have hit on a late-round pick in linebacker. So they're getting him back. He's healthy, right, because he got injured so early last year. You're talking about 11 months, 10, 11 months now removed from his injury. So he's been on pace this whole time to return. So, yes, he's back without limitations. We'll see if he's back at the same level. And then Blake Martinez. You're talking about a guy that they know, I mean, tackling machine. A guy who has proven to be a capable, solid starting middle linebacker in the NFL. He's going to be asked to play uh, a scheme that's a little different than Green Bay, which he believes uh, will allow him to show better in pass coverage. But at the very minimum, the Giants have a capable middle middle linebacker now. 
and he'll call the plays. He'll be in charge of the defense. He has a working experience with Patrick Graham. So they're way more settled there. Alec Ogletree, he was pretty much done last year. We all knew it. Uh, he was banged up. He just wasn't the same player. In retrospect, terrible trade. The Rams knew when they got rid of him that he wasn't the same player that they thought he was when they signed him. Giants took him on, and that was another bad move. So this week we saw Nate Solder, who might have been their worst free agent signing, and then earlier this offseason we saw uh, Alec Ogletree, who might have been the worst trade that they made, although Leonard Williams is in there because of the, the situation of that, but not, not player-wise. Leonard Williams is the best player they actually traded for. Uh, so, yeah, though, now Nate Solder is no longer on the team this year, and Alec Ogletree was like walk as a free agent. Uh, and the replacement for Ogletree and Andrew Thomas are already in place. They've already moved on from those moves that were made two years ago. right? Nate Solder... They got his replacement when they drafted Andrew Thomas. They signed Blake Martinez that to shore up that middle linebacker spot that they weren't able to fill with Alec Ogletree. So that de- that middle linebacker spot, throw in a couple late-round draft picks. You got T.J. Brunson. You got uh, Tay Crowder, who was Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick of the draft. You have David Mayo, who proved last year to be at least a capable starter, uh, especially against the run. So now the Giants have options at linebacker. They have a decent group. I'm talking middle linebacker. We're not talking outside linebacker here. So to me, that middle linebacker group in specific is the one that is the most improved for the Giants this year. And that's huge because we've all known. If you've watched the Giants play the last five years, seven years even, maybe even more, even that 2011 season, the linebacker play was not the strength of the team. That was serviceable at the time, but was not the strength of the team. So you're talking about almost a decade where linebackers has been one of the middle linebacker in particular has been one of the weaknesses of this team. Now that position finally looks to be settled. They'll be better at uh, overall. They'll be better in coverage probably than they've been in a while. And look, it's been desperately needed. If you go against the Giants, and you still might do this, but they're at least better equipped to handle it slightly. But if you go and got against the Giants as an offensive coordinator the last five years, you should go in there and your game plan should be, let me just get the run, my running backs and my tight ends, regardless who they are. It could be Blake Jarwin. It could be any, you name the, you name it. Jason Witten. It can be Zach Ertz tearing them apart. It could be Jordan Reed. If you go against the Giants, you have a tight end that can that can catch the ball. You should go. They should have gone in the last five, seven, ten years with the game plan of attacking their linebackers with your running backs and your tight ends. Simple. And if you didn't, you should be looking at yourself in the mirror and uh, saying, I've done I've done a poor job. Because that's where you wanted to attack this Giants defense. So hopefully, with their safeties position being better and the middle linebacker position being better, they finally, finally might have solved that problem. And with that, on to the next one. All right, let's wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. I'll give you a little Jordan on a beat of what it's like to cover the Giants, the NFL, to work for ESPN these days. And right now, covering the NFL is a strange experience. We're not down at at training camp. We're not watching them practice every day. Nope, nobody is allowed at this point. Heck, the veterans, and I'm, I'm taping this on Friday, still, they reported on Tuesday. They have, they had to do... Four days of tests over a four-day span. They had to do three 
days of COVID testing before they could even go and come to the facility, which the facility these days is MetLife Stadium. They're not even there yet. There's no real practice. I mentioned that before. We're going to be watching practices these days from the patio, from a distance, when the time comes, whether it's a couple weeks down the line or even later, who knows at this point. It's undecided. We'll be watching from a distance, and we're not going to be going into a locker room. We're not going to be talking to players one-on-one, face-to-face. It's all going to be probably Zoom. This is the reality of where we are. Who knows what the access is going to be. Uh, Let's see how we get through the summer before we can even think about what it's going to be like when the games are there during the season. So the likelihood is I may never talk to a player one-on-one this season face-to-face. That's just the reality. That's where we're at. And even when we go to practice, you're going to go to practice. You're going to be able to watch it. You're going to probably, I'll have to leave, go get in my car and talk to Joe Judge or uh, any players that we're doing interviews with, whether there is a group or individually, you're going to be talking to them from my car on a Zoom call on my phone or my computer. Like that's just how it's going to, that's how it's going to be. That's how the season's going to be. I also wanted to talk real quick about the Nate Solder story about from a reporter perspective. Now, I had heard over the past few weeks that it was possible he might opt out. But I wasn't going to write anything about that because, to me, it would have been irresponsible for me to speculate about his family. Like I didn't know where they were at in his son's cancer treatment or cancer progression. I, don't, I had no... No real idea. So unless you talk to him, Nate, about it, I don't want to be reporting on somebody's family, especially when I don't know the details. And this was a family decision for sure. So it was important to me. I mean, I reached out to him a couple weeks ago, and he said, no, thanks. I'm I'm not going to talk about it now. So I had a table. Now, there there was somebody who went out there and wrote it. Now, I disagree with that. But, you know, everybody operates differently. And again, this week, you know, you knew that there was a decision to be made. I reached out to him. He, again, declined to comment on it. So I had it. You have to table it. My opinion, I just couldn't write that story. I couldn't write a story about his family without speaking to him or having quotes from Nate Solder. To me, that's not fair. That's one thing that I don't want to do. I don't want to write about people's families without speaking to them or giving them the opportunity to speak about it. So with this story, sometimes you have to wait. Nate Solder took control of it. He put out the message himself. He put out a a statement on Twitter. was obviously pre-organized with the team because the team had a story ready to go right away. You have to wait. And the responsible thing to me in this case was to, all right, we're going to wait till Nate Solder talks about it publicly and mentions what his decision is going to be. I'm not going to sit there and I'm not going to speculate about his family, not going to speculate and write about his son and his son's cancer without speaking to him. I mean, this was the case last year too, right? Nate Solder had missed some practices and unless he wanted to talk about it and it was because his, you know, his son was, I believe getting surgery or treatment. I forget exactly the details of that at the time. But unless and until Nate talked about it, I didn't, you didn't really want to write about it because you didn't know the full details. You didn't really know what was going on. And unless he was willing to make that part of his life public, then I didn't think it was necessary to delve into the details. 
right? We I think maybe as far as we went was saying he mispracticed his handling of family issue. Some something of the sort. So to me, you're better off going that way unless the individual wants to talk about it. Now, my general rule of thumb when it comes to reporting is especially when you're reporting on what guys do off the field and their family and that stuff is it's only a story. This is my general rule. It's only a story if it affects them as a football player. Right. And so you can make the argument that last year when it's with regards to practice and his son needing treatments or whatever the details were exactly that, that does affect this football side. So you can make the argument there. Again, on this one, you can make the argument it affects his football playing of his decision here. But the reality is we didn't know what was fully going on. And you don't want to get burned. You don't want to get burned. You don't want to say he's likely going to opt out and then he decides, you know, he's going to uh, quarantine himself from his family for six months. So unless I know that for sure, I'm not running with it. Don't want to get burned. Got to be careful. You want to make sure the number one thing is to make sure you get the story right. So that was my thinking on on the Nate Soldier situation over the last few weeks uh, and uh, why I kind of sat on my hands while waiting to hear from him specifically. So that's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, subscribe, like, tell your friends. We're available on all podcast platforms on ESPN.com, on the ESPN app. You can find us everywhere. You can reach out to me, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email. You know how to find me. I'm Jordan Ronan, Giants reporter, ESPN, ESPN.com. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.